Welcome, everybody, once again to the Low Key Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Aaron, and as always, I'm joined today by Tim and Keith. And today we are going to be talking about Netflix's new movie, Concrete Cowboys, starring Idris Elba and Caleb McLaughlin. And it is about um, a young boy, a young teenage boy played by Caleb. And he is really having a hard time in school um, as far as just keeping his focus and his his anger issues under control. He's um, potentially going to be expelled from school. And once the school year is wrapped up, his mother sends him to stay with his father, uh, in this case, Idris Elba. And they are estranged. He's never really had a relationship with his father. Um, And it turns out that his father is a rancher in North Philadelphia, which is kind of crazy. You know, as I called him a rancher, but like whatever, whatever you can call the concrete ranch, so to speak. Um, And it's a little dilapidated, but you know, it's a bunch of black cowboys out there taking care of the animals and kind of just making sure that they're, well you know cared for and you know it, it's a fish out of water situation uh you know Caleb's character Cole is really frustrated doesn't really know what to do when he bumps into an old friend and you know that guy's out in the streets and he has to kind of choose between finding a way to kind of reconnect with his father and and choose you know a more straight and narrow path or you know end up living out in the streets in a, a totally different path that, you know, life will have a dark end. Mm. That's, that's what the movie's about. And it's, it's pretty interesting um, concept. I, I really, I'm curious to see what you guys thought about it. Keith, I guess we could start with you and, and, you know, see what your thoughts were. <laughs> yeah. So um, good, good um, synopsis, by the way. Oh, yeah. appreciate it. Uh, so, I like to start by saying that I particularly have a theme for coming of age films, but this then it's something about this that felt a bit lacking to me. Okay. And I don't, I don't quite know. Well, I, this is why I think it is. I think there are certain things about the relationships in the film that I just don't really believe at certain points. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's not enough of what I would think with there being like such a, like you said, this fish out of water story to me, what makes fish out of water stories work the best is when we see what the other world looks like. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think we have enough of what Caleb world is before he's thrown onto his father's footsteps. Right. Okay. We just know, Oh, he's a trouble kid. He gets in trouble in school. We don't see much of that. We see a little bit of it when he's out with Schmush, mm-hmm. um, which is the childhood friend that you was talking about. Yeah. And there was something about that. Okay, so the thing that I was kind of confused about this relationship, and that just completely went over my head, honestly, was why Schmush wanted to do all these things with um, Cole in the first place. Right? Let's, let's come back to that, because I, I think that is something worth exploring well that's uh, that's part of my point and like there's something about the relationships of the characters that i just don't believe oh so you're just using that as an example yeah that okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay. the love interest mm-hmm. all that it's just it didn't feel like there was enough time or that they spent enough time like building up these relationships they did mm-hmm. kind of let explain to us the history of these um black cowboys which i think was pretty cool but I think there was so much time spent on that and creating, letting us understand this is this world that's in North Philadelphia that none of us know about, except for people who are actually into this world, mm-hmm. you know, and that in itself was interesting. But past that, I, I just wasn't feeling the characters on that level. The acting though, the acting is superb, you know, mm-hmm. everybody did what they was, what I feel like they were supposed to do or what they were directed to do. Or what the script told them to do, you know. I want to, at some point during this podcast, hopefully remember to do this. But I'd like to compare some of the things we're talking about and some of the the things you're raising right now to what we saw from Nomadland. Exactly. I, I think there's the same some inter- way about Nomadland. Yeah, I think there's some some parallels there in in a lot of really interesting ways, um, as far as like character journey 
um, understanding what the characters want, understanding the relationships, which relationships matter, what are we supposed to focus on, what are we supposed to get from the well, film? Well, the thing about both of these films is that I feel like both films probably would have operated better as a documentary. Yeah. I feel like there's something about it that feels like a force, a movie that's forced to be like this fiction film. When, mm-hmm. when, cause, cause what, one of the most interesting things about it isn't the, to me, is not the father son dynamic because I'm not that interested in the father and son as characters, you know? Mm-hmm. So, because there's something about that that's just kind of missing. And I think part of it is that we don't really know anything outside the world of this, um, of these black cowboys of Flet- of the Fletcher Street. But like, if we just, if, if there was just a more focus on that from a documentary standpoint, then maybe this will, you know, be interesting on that level. Yeah. yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said, um, including the acting being really good, the setting being fascinating, excellent. Like, I love the city of Philadelphia. A lot of my family lives in Philadelphia. The Fletcher Street Stables is so interesting. But I just felt like some of the stuff some of the efforts to twist that into a story didn't really work because like Aaron, when you were describing the setup for this movie, I realized it's the same as the setup for fast and the furious Tokyo drift. Like <laughs> you get, uh, wow. Okay. Damn. Like, you have to go live with your dad instead of Tokyo drift. It's horses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then there's this thing at the end of like, we got to save the stables. And I thought the gentrification stuff was honestly more interesting than the father-son dynamic, which was kind of just like the same way that Avatar is like, we need a fish out of water to tell the story of this planet. There's certain plot conventions that you have to put on top of this interesting setting to make a movie. And that was a little bit frustrating. And I think that's true of Nomadland too. Um, that said, I mean, I just want to say Ricky Staub, the director of this movie, seems like a great dude. Um, reading up on him he's been doing a um he has a production company that basically hires uh i'm going to just read from variety he started a production company with purpose for 10 years stop has hired and trained adults returning home from incarceration identifying identifying candidates through two philadelphia-based federal judges with their own reentry program so that's a program called um neighborhood films his production company is called neighborhood films i think that's great um he clearly you know, was interested in the neighborhood. I think that's cool. Um, just the movie didn't grab me that much. I think Cole plays a big part in it too. Like he's a he's one of those protagonists that's not, in my opinion, he's not very active. He's just responsive to everything that happens. If that makes sense, meaning like yeah, I mean this. He, so he's a very passive character. He's a mean? very passive character. Like he's never really doing anything outside of what someone else isn't telling him to do. Well, Elba's character Harp is way more interesting, and honestly, yeah. Method Man's character, the cop, is more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the the background and how he interacts with everybody is is interesting, but like. He's literally like the day sex machina that comes up all the time for everything. <laughs> um, as far as just overall thoughts on my side, I mean, I, it, I kind of, you know, can mirror a lot of what you guys said. I mean, I thought there's more to like about this movie than dislike. I think one of the the, the larger issues, like you guys are saying, is just because the movie if it shoulders this responsibility of trying to kind of carry the legacy of, you know, the, this lost past and lost culture uh, that is still ongoing with, um, you know, uh, Black people um, in, in their, you know, involvement in, in you know, all kinds of things as it relates to farming and cowboys and all kinds of things in, in agriculture and in that era and even stuff going on today. Um, you know, I, I, it, you can feel it, the, the film trying to shoulder the weight of that. And so it feels like it has to uh, kind of justify um, 
not, not just for its existence, but it feels like it, it's really trying to call out to you and say, like, this is an important thing. These people are still present. They still need um, support presently from people in a contemporary way. Um, because even like when they talk about stuff like gentrification essentially happening and the developers are coming, the de like they talk about them like like it's the fucking British on the way, you know, um, like when Leroy comes up on them, met the man's character, um, you know, who's the cop. And he's like, you know, saying, hey, you know, you guys are going to have to do something um, to, to kind of get together and, and make these things happen. You had to assimilate to the bigger way of how these things work, like. He actually pulls Colt. This is a lot of plot stuff we're going to get into in detail why that was a little weird, but he talks to Cole um, after chasing him down um, with Smush. Um, I don't know if he ever really knew that for a fact that he was chasing Colt and Smush. I don't know if they ever say that specifically. But yeah, but he's like taking him to the racetrack and showing him a black um person who's training horses you know before they you know before jockeys take them and, and actually race them on the tracks um and he's like here's a way that you can do what you love essentially and be a part of the system and and do it safely and do it in a way where they're not going to be hassling you and stuff like that the problem is one of the issues with the film is we actually don't know why they don't have an area in the city to do stuff like not that, that i need a huge breakdown but like it's never really clear why all these things were taken away. You could just say straight up, well, you know, white folks didn't want to have it. I mean, that certainly I'm sure plays a part, but like we never get a true sense of like that's part of the movie and why they feel so powerless and why there's they don't have representation and why this and why that. It's not, so it's just like, it feels like everything where you want a little more, it's not currently present all the way. Like, I, like you said, with Smush and, and Cole, you know the star of their relationship is kind of unclear but i do feel like you know once once they gravitate to each other I, I believe the relationship there with cole and harp harp it feels like he has such an interesting past to delve into and we just don't really get a chance to do it which is fine uh, but he's such a like even in the film even after certain things happen and even after knowing that he's out with so much he just never is like even trying to give him additional punishments or anything or like trying to say here's an extra rule don't go out past this time we'll be back by this hour it's just kind of amazing that like they don't know where he is the same way it's amazing that they don't know or that they don't make assumptions cold and smush that the that drug lord who's over them or whatever i say drug lord but whoever's running the the you know the corners um they don't make assumptions that he just would have other people looking out for them well harp is like extreme tough love right where he's like if you're not gonna stay here fine like my rules, my house, or nothing. Yeah, and then we have to kind of accept that is like, well, that that's how he daddies. But it's like, I mean, yeah, but I, I'd be like cold too. Say that and then secretly follow the kid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what some people would do. But you know what? Another thing I think <clears throat> is that this movie feels like one of those movies that's like something that you've seen, but it's not as good. <laughs> um, and, and that's that's another problem like I knew it everything that was going to happen before it happened and every time I feel that way I and then sometimes it's cool like when you watch a romance film it's generally going to be what it is you watch a horror movie it's generally is what it is but it's the way that they get to that point that's you know great mm -hmm. this I knew when Schmush showed up spoiler alert I knew he was going to get murdered I'm talking about off the wop. I knew he. Of course, of course. There was there, there was no and and what it is the movie almost feels in a way like a not so good version of Boys in the Hood, but mm. with cowboys, because even with the father son dynamic, if you look at like Lawrence oh that's Fishburne, funny yeah Lawrence yeah uh -huh. he he was uh -huh. a tough he had that tough love but he also in park like lessons. Like he had like- Yes, exactly, uh-huh. He had like some type of background. Like you didn't even really know what his background was. You was just like, this motherfucker is smart. Like he is wise. Like he is- He a, reads some books. Yeah, he reads books. Yeah. <laughs> and so with Harp, it's just like, okay, we know he, he went to jail for something. He may have sold drugs, I think. He yeah, went yeah. to jail for 10 years. Did he say- He said a nickel, time? so five, yeah. A nickel, okay, a nickel is five, you right. So he went to jail for five years. But then I don't get 
what was the allure to the cowboy life? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you go from- Yeah, it's like, all right, do we want, do we really want the Snyder cut of this film? No, no, no. I don't think you got to go that in depth, but there's not even, I don't really see that many moments with him, I feel, even with the horses or even, you know, he might, well, the only times it's just kind of like, oh, you know, he was telling him, oh, you got to do this. This isn't about us. When Boo was going crazy. I actually really liked that moment. That was, that was good. Yeah, that's probably one of the best. That scene in the Cole, the John Coltrane scene are probably the best. Man, hey, yeah. When, when, when you know, like th- those moments, you can tell that they were writing the screenplay and they're like, all right, we got to, we got to write some good ones for Idris now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can feel yeah, that. like that shit was good. And that's when, that's when you felt it the most. That was, yeah. But it was like, I guess I can't help from comparing it to Boys in the Hood a little bit. But like when you see, Cuban Gooding character and Boys in the Hood and Lawrence Fishburne character, every scene had that feel to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he gave them tough love, but there was some type of um it's almost like he, he, he would so he would be mind. tough on them, but like he would at least he it's not like you the boy's not always gonna hear you all the way, but you at least mm-hmm. gonna say, This is why I'm I'm approaching it this way. Now the thing is. I get that harp is probably more. It, it, they never say this specifically, but I feel like he does feel a lot of guilt about not being present. He doesn't right. really know how to acknowledge. He doesn't even smile a lot until the very end, right. and it's like once. All right, so this is what the movie's doing, and again, it's. I, I really appreciate what it's doing, but it, it kind of doesn't. There are ways that it, it, I can see it missing for a lot of people, but I do appreciate what it's doing. He literally says prior to Smush getting killed that, like, so when he's doing that John Coltrane scene, he says like, "I see myself in Smush. Smush is me." And then he sees Smush die, mm. get murdered, and he's like, "We we gotta we gotta go get those those you know um, those." Uh, fuck. We gotta get the horseshoes. You gotta get the horseshoes off. You know, off of his horse. We we gotta honor him that way. That's some irrational shit. But he ain't thinking rationally, right? Like he's he's thinking of first off, his son lost his best friend, but then also, it's like seeing what could have happened to him. Right. You know, if a few things just went a little bit differently, like his whole like he, he living in the multiverse essentially like feel like he's just watching something weird like that happen and that's how a lot of people feel when they see young people get snuffed out you know for you know in these different foolish ways i thought that was really impactful and the thing is by the time we get to the end he's at a lot more peace with things and he's trying to tell them hey don't don't get a record and waste your time trying to stop these people from tearing down um you know what we got going on like we, we just we that place is just a place but we're family we're gonna make this work we're gonna make it happen whatever um and then when um the mother shows up uh cole's mother shows up he's just like you he you can see him in a different emotional space as a character uh the way idris is playing him and he shows some appreciation and, and it's when he sees the mother, it's not like even on some like me trying to spit game to it. It's like it's some real like genuine thank you for bringing my son here, like for helping me help him and for allowing me to to be a, a part of the solution because you didn't have to do that. You know, given what I did, how I messed up, you didn't have to do that, but you did. And I appreciate you doing that. And we don't get to see that moment the way that works in a lot of movies where parents are strange and then they get back together most of the time for the movie sake like they got to fight again or something weird it's got to be awkward um in some way but you know i i thought that was a powerful moment like it, it, it's clumsy in some ways how it gets there but i do think it works i just wish some of the other pieces connected better yeah like i think the whole thing with like the climax was sort of because we need a climax. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, to Keith's point, if you're sitting there thinking this through, I think it actually almost makes more sense if Smush doesn't die. 
rebukes Cole and then goes on to do whatever he's going to do, you know, and, and even ironically, if it's successful, one of the things that's a little weird about how they're operating is look, I'm no drug Lord, but I do know if the dude I'm working for catches me trying to undercut him and, and, and go for other buyers and all this kind of stuff. And he, I get away and he does not kill me. There's only two real options is leave town with whatever cash I got, or it is, as he put it, all out war. But all out war for him isn't all out war. It's trying to go back to the same blocks where he has territory and has people and then sell some more. That's not war. That made literally no sense. Like (laughs) for somebody, okay, because his his idea to like buy the ranches and stuff. Makes sense. Clean and like flip them and stuff. That that made so much sense. So you mean to tell me the same motherfucker that came up with that <laughs> is, is also the same person that would do the same shit on the same block for in after these posts literally threw him in a trunk and put a gun to his face and he gonna still do it. Like I and, can understand that from a is- person that's like like literally a, just maybe street smart, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Maybe just a street smart, but even a street smart person wouldn't do that. But no, what but, I mean by maybe just street even smart, even an idiot wouldn't do that just out of the fear of it, right? And and even not is even if you like, oh, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of him. You know what I'm saying? It's still like it defeats the purpose of everything that you're working for in the future. You know, this is not like he just wanted to make some money to buy some more jays. He literally was building up something you know, for the future and to leave and stuff like that. Yeah, he, so he was meaning to no get sense. enough money to get that ranch and then get the hell out of Dodge. Right. Or at least that's how what's stated in the movie. I have no reason to think he has an ulterior motive or something like that. No, it's yeah. a good plan. It was yeah. a super good plan. Now, why I didn't, like I said, I didn't really feel why he wanted Cole to be a part of it so much. I just didn't. Well, yeah. I mean, other than Cole being the protagonist, I don't I right. see. <laughs> well, you. because part of the problem is the way they. So you spoke earlier about this idea that, all right, so we get into the movie so quick with Cole and him coming up to uh, to Philly from Detroit that we don't really get a sense of what happened or what any of his past was. Even little bitty stuff like seeing him, them. Cole and Smush's young boys playing together. Just something tiny. When I mean, they were just inseparable, you couldn't get them away from each other. You know, it's just little simple stuff, it's little details you can throw in. You don't need a, a whole lot more movie to just throw in a few things like that, right? Yeah, but even still, so Cole just seems, like I said, Cole is such a passive character, right? Mm-hmm. And it just didn't make sense. Even when Smush was talking to him about, oh, we gonna do this, we gonna do that. And he looking at him and like Cole's like, yeah, you know, you believe that. Yeah, like Cole's just super passive. Like he doesn't seem like the person that you want to be in a in so a your, your right hand man. Yeah, he's not. He, he Th- this is a good like point. Him. This is a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but it's like, yeah, they friends, but like he has he has no value in the organization you're trying to build. Yes, but, but it's not it's not even an organization. I shouldn't even put it like an organization. See, I guess that's the thing. And like what for work him, was he doing when they were doing a little little scam like what was he doing was he supposed to be the watch out or something he just sits in so the so i was about to say this is the worst lookout in movie history almost yeah so like <laughs> not only so he fucked up three times like this had me dying later because i was like okay wait a minute so he's a bad lookout or like i just keep saying bad i'm, I'm doing this results-based lookout stuff at least when they <laughs> show us in the movie right so Cause he's not really looking every time this happens though. So like the first time is when Smush get thrown in the trunk. Okay, like I want to give him some credit, but like for real, they out in the open, like you gotta run good 50 yards before you get over there. Like, and he ain't even say nothing, you know, Smush get beat up and thrown and he ain't even come out until the cops showed up, which again, get it. He didn't have a weapon, nothing, whatever. Um, all right, so the second time is when Smush gets messed up now honestly even if he had yelled you know from the top of his lungs as soon as he saw dude it kind of slick too late but 
The third time, which had me laughing, was when <laughs> he was supposed to be looking out when they were trying to go when when Cole, I mean, excuse me, Harper's like, all right, I'm gonna go get the, the horseshoe. And Cole's like, all right, bet. And he's like, all right, you just look out. And he's like, okay. And then next time you see him, he in the fucking barn, like, you know, stroking Boo's face. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That, yeah, that boy attention span was all the way off. But but you know, another <laughs> thing, and I might it might sound weird to say this, but I could not, I just could not shake this feeling. And I don't usually feel this way. All right. Because I've, you know, like I I believe, you know, you know, brotherly love and all this other stuff. But it was something so homoerotic about their relationship. It really was. Cole and Schmush. <laughs> Meaning, like, there had oh, to be well, what Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. <laughs> Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is that, like, what I cannot fathom in a real life situation where somebody is not like, I could see it if Schmush was like an older, like, cousin, maybe. Okay. Or, you know, something like that. And he just want to look out for this guy and he want to bring him underneath his wing. Mm -hmm. But it was just so much of like trying to force, kind of like force a relationship with a person that's like super passive. It almost felt like, when you when you enter a girl and you like she kind of into you but not all the way into you and you want to be like oh I want you to be a part of my future and we gonna do this and we gonna run the city together and uh, I, I, I want to be stuff. more specific I like, than this. I like horses like it's yeah that's what I'm saying it was just one of those things and I was like is he like trying to force some type of relationship with Cole and it's not. They, man, they, I know what you mean, and it's really about how it's written, and then that's, how that's they, how they, stuff. yeah, yeah, and how they told them to act it out. But like, it's like was, it's like Luke Skywalker is obsessed with Ben Kenobi after knowing him for like a day. Hey, <laughs> 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 I, I ain't gonna lie. If somebody hit them Jedi mind tricks, I think I'd be like, I want to know what you know. Like, teach me. <laughs> And, but, I mean, like at least it wasn't as awkward as Ray and Finn. And, I mean, Ray, Lord, uh, Ray and um, um, Kylo. Oh Jesus! Oh, God. which by the way, I'm I'm glad you said Ray and Finn because Ray and Finn made sense. Yeah, no, that made sense. Makes no sense at all. But no, with them them sitting up here like I banging each other since episode eight was just super weird. It didn't make any sense in their family, <laughs> so it really was weird. But whatever. I think this goes to what you said about Nomadland, where it felt like certain stuff happened. I don't want to misrepresent it, but certain stuff happened because like the movie needed it to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the other reason, and this kind of, in some way, I think is is connected, but I didn't notice until the movie was over. But, you know, a lot of those people who were, you know, there is actual black cowboys are actual black cowboys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Even I was like, lady, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I mean, they're great actors. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they did what they did. Yeah, I mean, you could cast them and other stuff for real. Like, I mean, that was really interesting. Like, I mean, I actually was, when I was watching, I was curious about a lot of some of the authenticity. Like, when the, um, there were different points where they would do things. And I just feel like, well, that's, um, you know, really a kind of thing you'd, you'd have to do to know. Like, so even when, um, or just even have a certain curiosity about when they um, helped the guy who, um, you know, had been paralyzed from the waist down uh, onto the horse. And they showed us the process of, you know, kind of making sure that, you know, the person was secure and, and, and then able to safely ride. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it, when, you, when you see them doing everything, I, I kind of was going along with like, I've never done this. But okay, you strap your feet, you do this, you do that. Oh, yeah, it all makes sense. I feel like I saw that on Game of Thrones, though. But Oh, I haven't. But. <laughs> That's oh yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah, cry when that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh look, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I really, I feel like there's so many good elements to this movie. I, I do think that um, one thing that really stuck out as being strong too, in general, was I had a good sense of just what it must be like to see that like black people riding a horse in an urban landscape and like the sort of joy that would bring especially like near the end when they were showing a little more of that that was really cool i thought also thought it was really weird though right before that that it felt like zach snyder randomly was like doing edits where you just had this <laughs> slow motion out of nowhere and i was like Man, i know keith gonna have a comment on this no nah, uh, i mean it it wasn't too much 
No, it, no, they weren't doing it every other second. If it, like the center, I did like the cinematography a lot on certain scenes. Yeah. Like for for some reason, I definitely liked the cinematography on the kissing scene because it made. Oh it yeah, oh, where, that like, was a yes. That was it a made great it where shot. You, you can't really tell if they really really kissed or not, and it's like a good way to get away with like if people are awkward towards that, but still mm. make it seem like you know something nice and sweet. That was so um, yeah. I love that shot because they had the sun wherever it was positioned and then they the way they shot it like their shadows were were you know kind of silhouetted so yeah that was perfect yeah because i know when i shot my kissing scene for my film it was kind of it was my first time doing it and it was just kind of weird you know because you know the people felt weird and yeah then it was covid <laughs> and, then, and then and then the lead actor somehow like midway through the film found out that that was my girlfriend oh yeah that's funny <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't supposed to know, and now he knows, and now it's awkward. But if we would have shot it some in some type of cool way, maybe we could have still got the same effect. I don't know. He's like, here's a passionate, very quick kiss on the cheek. I'm out of here. Right. I, I don't know. Like, do a lens glare or something. Like, it was, it was, it was nice. It was, it was shot nice. How they? Nah, that, that was a. There was so. But on the other end. I don't know, man, this is something that comes up every time I watch a Lee Daniels film and it, it drives me crazy because I feel like there are these moments where like the emotional resonance is is lost for me because we keep cutting to like close shots of people's faces. Hmm. Like, and, and it happens so often, like these really important moments. So like the, the scene is coming to me immediately. I mean, there are others like this, but you know, like I'm trying to like be in the moment and really kind of like let, you know, the fact that they're trying to pay tribute to Smush at his gravesite, like really hit, but they keep like going to all the important actors who, who I get, well, you know, when I say important, I mean like the way they choose, choose to cut it. Right. They give everybody a single shot of their face, but they're like also off center. This is like weird stuff going on. I'm like, why are they making this choice? But like, it's like, Almost there was never a shot of everybody together as a group and like having that shot, that cinematography, uh, cinematography, kind of be displayed because it's, it's a great like setting and they have all this cool stuff there and they got the boots on like you know kind of set where his feet would be if, if he were raised from from you know from dirt, but I can't see the scene. I just keep seeing like close ups of their faces and it just felt weird. And they yeah, also I'm did sure. this too when they they were riding the horses back. That, like then you get a side shot, but you don't even get like that Power Rangers side shot or, or the Avengers shot of all of them standing together. I mean, Minka Farthing Cole is the cinematographer who did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. But I I did a thing for the Movie Maker podcast. If anybody wants to check it out, um, uh-huh. with David Fincher, and he was talking about how the real trick, like the real mastery, is to get it all in the master shot. Like, how do you get it that's, all? That's really what you're supposed to do. Mm. Yeah. And then he tries not to use cut-ins um, because even though they can sort of tell you how to think a little bit more and sort of direct your eye a little bit more, he says it's just much more powerful if you so, can get it all in in the coverage, which right. is totally how I look at things now. And even when I'm like editing stories and you see stories where the quotes have like brackets to add in some clarification or like a lot of ellipses or something mm-hmm. to clean up the quote, I'm just like, I don't know if I believe this story as much no, you cut out that much. I'd almost rather see like the thing where the person misspoke a little bit or like the grammar wasn't perfect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that's what they actually said, you know. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think um, I think just to nerd out on what you just said a little bit, like the master shot is key. Like ultimately, that's can, can, probably can you, like because everybody might not know what a master shot is. Can you just say what that is real quick? I guess simply you could just say like it's just like a wide shot where everything is just happening at once, mm-hmm. meaning like it's kind of like if you were shooting like a stage production, you got everybody within the shot and they're able to move and go around and do their lines and stuff. So there's no like cuts in between. Like you're not focusing on one character. I hope I explained it as well. As no, yeah, I, I think that's a good I, I, could ne- I could never teach film, but- <laughs> You do those Wes Anderson things where like you show everybody posing and then you cut in and show like the picture that they're looking at or something. Which is what I was yeah. hoping for like a shot like that. Cause it, it, it just it, felt like the moment was, was this is kind of the climax everybody. of the film. Yeah, it's everybody there. It's kind yeah. of like this climactic emotional moment, you know, because they're still down from 
all the other stuff. They've taken the horses away. They've lost one of their own, you know? Also, I was going to say this. It's kind of like a a very good thing to do for, like, independent filmmakers, especially when you don't have much time because mm-hmm. you have stuff to cut, cut to. Because, like, let's say this scene where you got, like, several people in the scene, right? Mm-hmm. It takes so long to get coverage of everybody's expression. And you might not need to get everybody. You mm-hmm. might just need mm-hmm. a, a, a wide enough shot to where you can see them all and then just close up on, like, the father and the son in the grave, you know, like little stuff like that. But then there's also cinematographers that shoot completely different. Like some some cinematographers like to shoot start from in and come out instead of out and come in. Okay, yeah. Like usually people start off with, like I said, the master shot because you get that and you get it out the way, boom, you're done. It Mm -hmm. always... And I, I kind of believe in that more so. And then you go get those the rest of the coverage. But some cinematographers like to start deep within the scene, just like what this scene is with the cemetery. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they might get the shot of the boots on the grave. They might get the shots of people's faces and then they'll come out. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, but the problem with that is that what if you don't have enough time? What if you lose daylight? Now mm-hmm. you don't have a wide shot, which I don't, I'm not saying that that may be what happened with them, but if you took all this time just to get everybody individual shot and you never got a master, that's what you're going to be left with. You know, and so I think this probably came up in the movie at some point when shooting, because like one moment that this comes up in, in, in the similar kind of stuff, when they're trying to, so Boo, the, the wild horse that um, Cole was able to tame, Right. When they're in that baseball field, um, sometimes I'd like lose sense of place. Like I kind of wasn't sure like how far away that was from, you know, where they, they would normally be, you know, have the stables. But mm-hmm. when they get over there, I really, there's so much about this thing I really enjoy. And I think that's actually in many ways has some of the best shots because you do have multiple moments where you see like a wider angle of like what's happening and, and mm-hmm. all that. But the thing that was weird was like I kind of and because I've been in you know to baseball stadiums and like you know especially like small ones we have like smaller dugouts where either it's like um, some sort of um, you know amateur or or kids you know people playing or whatever I knew what a dugout was and I guess there were cops there that were playing or something but because remember like there's people at the baseball field trying to play and they're asking them to wait and not do something so that they can get the horse under control and i was just like well okay like i, I just because the shot was never like you know I, there, there was just things about how it was shot they were like when they were wide it was kind of like like to let the horse be buck wild for a second to run around and prove that it was like hard to to tame but i never got a good sense of where the other people were who were you know kind of waiting on it to happen because they don't they don't interact with anybody in the scene they're just watching and looking either concerned or like oh i hope he gets it or oh we're a little aggravated we gotta wait but there's things that that you lose when you don't have those wider shots sometimes well that's a that's a good point because i think as hard as it and i don't know if this was the case for them but hearing you say that it kind of makes me think it may have been the case for these filmmakers as hard as it is to get a, a good master shot with people imagine with horses and imagine with multiple horses. exactly exactly this this could not have been an easy movie to film yeah you so know, that, that, i mean sports are hard to do like sports movies we know are notoriously hard to do because like you got even if you're doing basketball say for example is your actor good at basketball or like you know that we knew this was a thing with any given sunday they wanted to let puff daddy do it but he couldn't throw her shit so they let jamie fox be the quarterback <laughs> like this is a thing that happened so Similar to any sort of sport when you're doing it, that can be an issue. And I and I imagine trying to do that with, you know, horses in any movie is really difficult too. And because especially if you don't have experienced riders. Right. See, with that saying, I wasn't too messed up about it because I also, like I said, this I'm just kind of nerding out about it. Like sometimes I think the choice could be based off the matter of what whose perspective we're supposed to be following. I actually thought that was a better, I thought that was one of the better scenes actually, as right, far as like right. how it was shot, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but so, but I was saying like, I, but I did notice that like there was not a wider shot and I thought right, that was right. probably more about the difficulty of like 
all the things combined, you know. It could have been the difficulty it. of it, and it also could be a creative choice to show it more from Cole's point of view. Mm-hmm. Or, like, or even Harp's to some degree, because because Harp is he's well not from Harp's perspective, but like you, we, it, it's like when sometimes the way it's shot because it's not like a straight line. Like there are moments when like the camera's almost angled up at him, and he's like, "Hey, this isn't about you and me right now." Yeah, yeah but it's angled up at him because Cole is looking up. Right, him. that's what I'm saying. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. So 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 it is a lot from the perspective of like kind of like what you're saying, like how he sees his father and how he sees this situation. Because it did, it did, it was shot in a way for us to feel like, damn, this is a high risk situation. Would I even jump on this horse, or would I just be like, fuck that shit, or would I just do it to prove something to my father, or like, you know, his father telling like, him like, this, this isn't about me. This is about you. Like, I, right. I need th- this is your journey. Like, don't worry about me right now. Now, what I did like about that, and there's this certain things about one of the things that I like about this film is kind of like this idea of a rite of passage in a sense Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and like how because i was just thinking about this um well i've thought about this a few times before is that like in our modern society like men they don't have a certain rite of passage that says that you are now a man like they did like in past you know civilizations and Mm -hmm. and and in tribes and things like that and and i think that there's something that's so beautiful about that to have something like having to face dealing with this wild horse as in a way being a sign of um, of Cole's rite of passage. Now, but the problem with it, <laughs> like like I said, I like it, but the problem with it is that we don't, I still don't see much of a change of him as a character. He's still yeah, it's, passive, yeah. he's still reacting to stuff. And I mm-hmm. felt like this was gonna be the moment, like now Cole has become a man. Like he might slip up and do some dumb shit later on, but for the most part, he's now a man. He's no longer a boy but i agree i agree with that as far as symbolically what it's doing and and kind of there are changes that happen to him that we see but they don't occur when conflict occurs you know what i mean like he he the right, way he right. would handle he conflict becomes, from the beginning is the exact same way he does it at the end he still becomes a child he's still cursing and angry and upset like when, yeah, well, like when, when he called uh when he called you know, uh, Harper Coward. Yeah, when, said, when the when they were yeah. hauling off the horse, I'm like, okay. He was like, "You supposed to be a fucking cowboy." Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Like sometimes the dialogue just felt very Lee Daniels, like out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> like, like we don't like. What's he supposed to do here? <laughs> like, Real I mean, because and the thing is, he used that in his mind to justify the next stupid thing he would. And again, this is what what teenagers do, whatever. But he was just like. You were right. They do take away things with you know without you being able to say something. Which the, here's the thing, thematically the movie again it's one of those things the movie's doing, but it, it doesn't like really fully commit to it. So it's like hanging loose like like a wet noodle, but it didn't like totally use it. So it's like so when gentrification is taking place or rich people are coming and doing whatever white black whatever right. Like they are going to take places they feel like are under resourced or dilapidated or whatever, and then use their rights as owners of a property um, and say these renters as tenants cannot have the place in whatever condition. We'll say they're malnourished or whatever, and then use that as recourse to take away everything from them. And then once they leave because they don't have any other options or any way to sustain themselves, then we'll come over and then we'll put a Starbucks on this corner too. Or whatever. And I'm only using Starbucks because dude was saying the block they were fighting for, they put a Starbucks there and it made them very upset. Um, but you know, I do think there's something really interesting thematically happening there. And in in many ways, this movie's making me appreciate residue even more. Like I feel like this movie, like residue found a way to it, it it's like in a lot of ways, in the ways this movie kind of fumbles the ball in some ways, but then picks it back up, like residue finds a way to put it against his bosom and for the most part just not spilled water you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it does a good job of of centralizing the conflict the character has in showing a change now the change ends up being something that gets them in a lot of shit and they're probably you know changed in a bad way going forward forever as far as it has residue ends well residue but, is like a tight efficient movie 
I mean, not the beginning, the beginning, like kind of does some showy stuff um, mm -hmm. to sort of set tone, but like this actual story is pretty tight and pretty efficient in a way that this one, almost every review I've read of it says that it's a bit meandering and doesn't really- Yeah, because it, it doesn't commit to anything in particular. Like Cole has like 15 relationships going on and like if you're dazed and confused that's okay like if it's just like we're going from like one interesting thing to another interesting thing that's totally cool but then this movie has like a narrative imposed on top of this interesting location oh i see what you're saying yeah oh because in that way it's not like nomadland i mean nomadland also has things in it that it's like we need to have an ending of this movie so but but once we we have our moment with our characters we keep going to the next interesting thing though in this movie, it it yes. <laughs> you have the interesting thing, and then to give you another interesting thing, and then to give you another interesting thing, and then to give you another one, but like half of them have like no resolution really. I mean, my perfect movie is probably a movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where you feel like it's kind of a meandering movie and you're just hanging out, and then you realize that there's definitely an arc and there's definitely things that pay off. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, and I mean, well, then it means you love Tarantino. That's true. Because <laughs> yeah, he's good for that. I mean, I think one of the only movies he's done is not like that. Really, is uh, Kill Bill, and I mean, well, the the two volumes, and I mean, there are reasons for that, and and, it, and those movies work for totally different reasons. But um, I think, yeah, I think um, I I like when um, with Tim, we we always talk about movies that are like good hangs and stuff. Yeah. And and I think that like like while you bring up Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it is kind of one of those movies that you just kind of like you said you just kind of get into it, and you just feel in this world that we're being exposed to. Yeah, and you just you just enjoy it, and then stuff like pops off later on that you just you just never really expect. But it but it works and it fits within the story in 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 a way like where it's kind of like. Well, we were talking about um, what was what like oh not Ozark but Fargo, right? Yeah, like there's some weird shit that happens in Fargo, especially the stuff with the you know, <laughs> with the UFO and all that stuff, right? And it's never really explained, but for some reason I don't sit there and be like, damn, that is a huge plot hole. Like that is a problem. <laughs> like I don't know, and I don't know why. It's just it's it's how it's written up to that point mm -hmm. that. It could, like, you could take, I literally, when I watched season two, I literally forgot about the UFO shit, but the right. UFO shit was actually very important. Yeah. But that's, like, if you talk about the story, you would probably never mention the UFO shit. Does that make yeah. sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like, <laughs> because everything else is so interesting. The characters are interesting. How the story flows is super interesting. And I think it can get away with stuff, like just throwing in that random thing and you'd be like, oh, I, I, I don't really give a shit. It, another movie it, it I think kind of did so well that. You say what? It works so well either way. Like if you take out the UFO stuff, it's, it still works just fine. It isn't like a deus ex machina, I would say that wrong, where like it all it all hinges on the UFO shit. It just, you know? Yeah, it could not be in there and it still would have been the same story. <laughs> well, like, I mean, um, and, and I guess that's the thing about, about this film, though. Like there are... I mean, I don't know what elements and well, I know some stuff I would take out like, you know, overall, like so many variables get introduced that it almost starts becoming like a, by the time you get to the end, you feel like you're watching coming to America, like the, the latest one, you're like, we just got to get to the end. Because like, why would the I get like he gives that like um Method Man's character who's a cop is like all right yeah so basically you you take the horses and then they'll forget because we got murders to solve no one cares about pets and I'm like yeah except like you the know developers well well that and <laughs> you are probably also on camera tying up with a damn security guard of a damn police facility um and then like there's all this other stuff connected it's like that i have to my sense of, di of disbelief it like like how many levels down do i need to go there's all the stuff with the cops they walking around with damn horses again 
Then you also got the fact that that damn dude who killed Smush is just walking around. What we gonna think? He he like he gonna not care about where his money is. Like they taking his product and then you know pawning it off to other people, and he not gonna have questions to to um, Cole about that. Yeah. Uh, another thing is like uh yeah so so what what you just said with the ending in certain movies if that happened you wouldn't think twice about it but this movie is to make us believe that this is like a realistic drama mm-hmm. and in realistic drama shit like that don't happen like you're not gonna tie up a security guard these people gonna get these horses and they're gonna ride out into the sunset that's that the thing like it, it it changes it feel like it's like changing genre at random moments but that happens in lee Daniel stuff a lot like it's just a bunch of examples i could give you went through a lot of his movies and it hey, because like it has a goal in this in any way huh is lee daniels involved in this in any way he's yeah. a producer oh okay all it's right a lee daniels yeah. film I mean, yeah, I wouldn't bring up Lee Daniels say, to slander I Lee Daniels. It's, his, it was, it's, it's not really his film per se, but he, he's involved with it. I don't know how involved I can feel his creative. stamp on this movie because it's very <laughs> similar to like a lot of other stuff he's done. I'm not saying it, it's his style and it's one that doesn't always jive with me, but this is very similar to stuff that we've seen in movies from Lee Daniels, John Singleton, and other folks were like. Well, I was going to say. Like what we talking about with the ending and stuff, how it just kind of switches up on us. That goes back to what me and Tim are saying about Fargo, is that like when when the weird stuff happens, we're not completely taken back by it because in certain in gradual ways, we kind of understand that this shit is like not real. Like this, I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to believe that the that that everything that happens in this world will happen in real life. This is a straight dark comedy. This is like Grand Theft Auto as a TV, TV series. Right. This, is uh-huh. what, this is what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Concrete Cowboy that is it's established, like I said, as a serious drama. And so mm-hmm. when it how it ends, it's like, uh I don't even know if it's if it's considered itself a serious drama, but it does want to be a serious like coming of age drama. Well, you keep using the word serious. And, and like, I'm only combating oh. it because there's certain connotations that come well, along with serious. When I say serious, let me let me rephrase what I'm saying. It's supposed, I'm supposed to believe that these characters are more realistic characters. Or, or the, right. the, that what we're saying is like, kind of like a, this could happen. Yeah, this is not an exaggeration in any kind of way. Like, like okay, when yeah, I okay, Fargo okay. again, this is like right. an exaggeration of like crime stuff. Yeah, but but you but you know like this, you, there's a part of you that feels like nah, this couldn't have happened in real life. Well, so like I'm honestly like one of the classic <laughs> examples of this. And Tim, I don't know if you've seen Baby Boy, but oh, yeah. you yeah. remember how that, how that <laughs> movie Boy, ends though? Yeah. Do you remember how that movie ends, Tim? Not at all. So uh, I don't even remember what exactly the conflict was that led to all this. It was some petty stuff because again, oh, it's a Baby Snoop, Boy. New character tried to um. Loki oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is right. Yeah, yeah. Mama. He tried to shoot at them. Yeah. So then they went up and they shot Snoop. Okay. And then, you know, he's dead. And then they just do a time skip and they just have a picnic. And I was like, wait a minute, hold <laughs> on. Is the is the answer to to everything gun violence? Also, <laughs> how the hell did no one want revenge? There was just a lot of weird stuff when it just went that fast to the end. I was like, they just wanted to get there. Okay. I mean. Hell, do yeah. you have to kill him to get? I guess and so. How they killed him? They did like legit murder him. They like murdered it was, that shit out there. Like it wasn't like a shootout situation. It was like we ran. They ran up on him. Yeah, yeah, and then made sure it was done. <laughs> now, granted, going. now granted, he did try to rape an old girl. I but it was I, just I, the fact that this happens at the very end of the film. Well, but the kinda, problem is there's no retribution. And I'm not saying that red problem like I wanted something to happen to the character. But it was more like it wasn't resolved. Nobody was like, you did this, therefore we, we, we're we going to stop because it's, you did this and so we're going to drop it. I wouldn't even say I <laughs> need a necessary retribution, but it, it was done and it wasn't even acknowledged anymore. That's what I'm saying. It, was just, it, was yeah, like, it just happened and, and, and was, it was finished. There was nothing about Tyrese's character throughout the whole film that let me know like, oh, this man is a stone cold killer. Now, his friend maybe well, yeah. um, oh my good and maybe character maybe and then he become you know, a preacher after 
Yeah, that was that was anyway, like I said, th- that's what this felt like a little bit to me watching. I'm like, uh, so we're just gonna forget the dude still out there. Okay, all right, well, that's fine. I mean we're gonna forget the fact that y'all just took those horses and there's not gonna be people that's gonna come back. That the police, you know, should should want a piece, the the drug guys, just all kind of stuff going on. I'm like, all right, well. I guess I just gotta let it go. That's fine. Yeah, like, um, you just never know what happens. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just feel like you, you can write your way out of some of these situations. Have him, I don't know, he a snitch on the dude because they, no one got arrested when they all had the situation with the trunk and Smush almost getting thrown in there and you know whatever. Like there are so many ways you could write yourself out of that situation if you wanted to, but you know, I mean. If they just chose it, just say screw it, no matter. Uh, oh, man, and I and I really wanted to like it like more. Like I don't hate this movie. No, it's I don't just, either. I just want I just want y'all to know, like, that's my secret like film genre that I will sit and watch. Like Which is one? I like coming to age film. I like teen drama. You oh, so you like anime, yeah. Okay. We know. I mean, other than anime, yeah. <laughs> I do like anime, but like I was just thinking about like how there's certain like coming age films that I just really like, even like the old ones, of course, like you know, Sixteen Candles or E. But then, but then I like um, there's this one film, um, The Perk of Being a Wallflower. I never seen that. I freaking love that movie. I feel like I've seen that movie too many times. Like I, I like, and it's just like, but it's done well, and it it wraps itself up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's the 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 tone of it is fairly consistent and that's that's just that's just all i asked for really i so, want to I mean, at the end of the day protagonists. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day i think you know i i'd say you know i don't want to speak for everybody else i'll say for me i think concrete cowboy is an important movie uh that definitely has some pretty good strengths especially around the acting and a lot of stuff with the the authenticity in the setting it really do work well. Um, there's some pieces that don't work as well where, you know, f- from a story perspective and like, you know, how you're on the journey with the characters and do you buy the relationships? Some of the stuff doesn't work well because it's just not structured in a way that feels believable. At the same time, I think it's a movie worth watching and, and worth checking out. I mean, I definitely... I, we, we've seen in reviewed movies that definitely do this stuff, you know, at a, you know, I guess not as high a degree of, of success. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, but it, I, I think it, it, it works in, in some ways and, you know, will be worth your time if you have an interest in seeing what Black Cowboys are about. I would add Ricky Staub, the director, seems like a good dude. I love Lee Daniels. Uh, even if I don't like a Lee Daniels movie, I always just love everything Lee Daniels does and the spirit he brings to it. Um, and I think Philly is a fantastic setting for movies. I'm biased. Again, a lot of family there. But um, it feels really underutilized to me. Philly and Pittsburgh, where I believe Perks of Being Wallflower was filmed, maybe? Hmm. Maybe. Um, Pennsylvania's super underrated and a good place to make a movie. I gotta say, um, as somebody who is, you know, not as in the know as far as how the movies are made as, as you two, I mean, I've learned to understand the acceptance, but it is really weird that, like, most of the time somebody will be like, we're in Taiwan, it'll be like, we're in Pittsburgh filming this yeah. movie. You know, like, <laughs> just like, I'll be getting thrown off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember, we, we we uh, what movie was that we did? Where, we, where it's set in Vancouver, but they filmed it. Well, no, they, they filmed it somewhere, but they they did it in Vancouver. God, I forget what movie it was. Every um, single movie. <laughs> <laughs> was it um Pieces of a Woman? Yes. Yeah. No. Well. Oh, that was Montreal. Yes. Yeah. Montreal. I'm sorry. I said that was Montreal Vancouver. standing in for Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Yes. And it looked like Boston. I was like, man, Boston looks beautiful. <laughs> Damn, these office buildings are amazing. Why did they make those in Boston? <laughs> no, Boston is beautiful too. I'm in Boston right now. Come on. No, no, no. But like you know, you know how it is. Americans like when it comes to certain stuff, we don't, we don't, you know, put as much into infrastructure or like making the coolest looking office buildings. But other places doing like, damn, it looks futuristic. It's like, oh, it's not here. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, look. Um, damn, we we got a lot on this movie. I'm kind of su- surprised. We got a long yeah, it's up there. Uh, well, look, if you made it this far, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the conversation. We'd love for you to join us in the future for new episodes or even check out our archives um, on all the streaming platforms where we're available. Um, definitely rate and review us. Give us five stars. Tell a friend that you love this episode. Share it with them. Let them know that, you know, we, we, we got that, that good critique of whatever. Man, I'm really spitting some cool sound words right now i'm tired man these kids are, are wrecking me um keith uh if you could please let the people know where they can find us on the social all right we on facebook and we're also on instagram at the low-key pod perfect tim any closing thoughts uh if you download kid rocks cowboy right now we will get 50 percent no i'm i don't know what i'm talking about for some reason i've had that terrible song stuck in my head for half the <laughs> conversation oh I'm man the cowboy whoever edits this please cut that out and not let anyone know that i ever mentioned no it's (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely gonna stay in there i mean well i tell you this though uh their verses with earth wind and fire and isley brothers that was fire if you haven't seen it put that on youtube and and get your joys out and also laugh at steve harvey really trying to be like just present and tell his stories and nobody in the chat wanted to hear that shit really funny (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I don't know what we're going to do next. I, I know at some point we're definitely doing Invincible. Um, but I think Keith really wants to get through the entire season. Or at least like get us like right to the, the finale. And if you haven't started, it, you know, um, don't watch it around the kids. Yeah, nah, nah. But anyway, <laughs> let's leave on that note. Leave them in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let y'all in the next one. All right, peace.